0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 108 of the Switch Focus Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. With me, as always, is Andrew Brown.
1: Episode 108!
0: (laughs) More of a dramatic tone for this week's. Uh, And we've got a packed show, we're going to talk about all the news from the uh, Nintendo Direct Mini that that launched during the week, uh, Surprise Drop. Uh, We're going to talk about uh, another couple of races in what's accidentally become my new segment. Uh, in Mantis Burn Racing and Gear Club Unlimited 2. Uh, we're going to talk about Hypercharge Unboxed, uh, Submerged, and Way of the Passive Fist. So, uh, yeah, let's get on with it. Okay, no updates really from the, the last episode, so we're just going to jump straight into the news. Uh, Nintendo Surprise dropped a Nintendo Direct Mini. Uh, now, this was an interesting one. Uh, obviously I, I feel like they were intending to do a full direct uh, and the whole coronavirus thing has you know toppled a few plates so they're having to react and at least give us something. Hence the mini uh, it came with a you know a lengthy warning at the beginning that all the release dates are subject to coronavirus related changes. so yeah we'll just gotta see how that pans out unfortunately. We'll just work through the list and we'll talk about the things we're interested as we get through them so they, they started off with a good look at the storyline of the xenoblade chronicles definitive edition release this is a cult we rpg uh, we've obviously had the the proper sequel on on the switch uh, and this is uh I, w- I would say this is more of more than just a you know like a lazily upres port these these models are looking really sharp in this one and yeah I, I first played this as on the new 3ds version and I, I loved every second of it um, and my ideal Xenoblade Chronicles game is kind of like a mixture of the combat of Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and the storyline of this one. Andrew I, th- I remember you saying you'd not played this so I, I imagine you're you're looking to pick this one up.
1: Yeah this is probably the next big game out on Switch this year for me that I'm, I'm looking to get. I'm
0: I'm looking forward to it. I was um, in that f- frame of mind where it's like I, I was gonna pick it up but then not commit to playing it because I've already beaten it, or at least not playing it straight away. Uh, but then as soon as I heard the music, ah, so good. Um, it does come with some extra content. Uh, I guess kind of it's not DLC because it's packed in but you know what I mean. Uh, it's a new epilogue to, to add some more closure To What is a a long story? It's a very long game. Um, And this is the other reason why I'm definitely going to pick it up, is that the DLC is accessible from the main menu, so if you've played it before, you don't have to play the base game again to experience it. I think that's really smart. You know, there were so many big RPGs released on Switch last year that I've not had time to catch up, really, on any of them. I I, I like that a lot. But uh, yeah, you'll you'll be experiencing that story for the first time, so that's cool. Um, Finally, the news that we've all been waiting for is that 2K are are bringing some non-sports games to Switch. Uh, We're going to get Bioshock Collection. We're going to get Borderlands Legendary Collection. Uh, Andrew had famously been calling on the podcast for Borderlands 2 to come to Switch. Uh, And you finally gave up hope, like, end of last year with that last direct. And uh, yeah, it's finally coming. And also XCOM 2 Collection is coming, so it's XCOM 2 and all, all of its DLC. Now... All of these uh, releases have one hell of a lot of value. So, you've got three games in the the Bioshock collection. You know, we can debate about the the quality and philosophies of each one, uh, you know, as much as you like. Yes, let's. (laughs) (laughs) We'll wait till they're out for that. Uh, We've got, you know, three sizable Borderlands games and all their DLC add ons. Um, I wasn't expecting Borderlands 1 to be part of this package. I thought if if Borderlands was coming, it would just be the Handsome Collection. Uh, but no, nope, original game is in there too, so that that's some amazing value. Of course, XCOM 2 and all its DLC, that's a big popular game. I kind of do wish the first one came as well.
1: Yeah, I was... Like, most of these games have already been rumored or leaked by international rating boards back in January, mm-hmm. including the XCOM 2 collection. So I was like, what does an XCOM 2 collection even mean? I've never heard a game released with all its DLC called a collection before, so I thought maybe that meant that the first games were in there too. Uh, mm-hmm. Enemy Within and Enemy Unknown, but not so much. No such luck. But XCOM 2 is supposed to be really good, so mm-hmm. good enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the, the the packaging on some of these, so uh, the Borderlands uh, collection, the physical version that will have the first couple of hours of each game on the cart. No, no. Mm-mm. That's mm, wrong. That's what the press release said. The that's press release that's...
1: was wrong. The packaging is out now. It says right on the front of it that Borderlands 1 is on the card, Borderlands 2 and the pre-sequel are download codes packed in.
0: This might be an Australian-only thing then. Could be. Yeah, well, XCOM is only a a digital release here anyway and uh yeah so i think that might be an australian arrangement but yeah that that sucks for me yeah so let's move on we'll, we'll just list over the ones that you know it's not really worth talking about uh marvel ultimate alliance 3 shadow of doom the fantastic four pack finally out adding some new characters uh we've got uh Shinseke into the depths which is a deep sea uh, adventure platformer stroke metroidvania uh, that looked kind of interesting, that came out on the day of the Direct. Uh, any interest in that one? That seems up your alley. Of
1: any of the games that were released coinciding with this Direct, that was the one that tempted me the most, but ultimately I decided to hold off on buying anything mm-hmm. this this week.
0: Uh, I added it to my wish list, but uh, yeah, it, it looked cool, and uh, I liked the underwater take on, on that whole genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, some Animal Crossing New Horizons news. You know, On the same day, they patched out some exploits that people had discovered, but they're adding uh, a Bunny Day event uh, for April 1st to April 12th, which is your, your Easter event. And then there's an Earth Day event coming uh, later that month too. Uh, they announced a, a cool little puzzle game called Good Job that is uh, about manual labor in an office, and it's a bit of a physics Puzzler that looked interesting. Uh, then there was Catherine Full Body, which is the uh, Atlas psychosexual fantasy puzzler where uh, long pause. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you play a uh, a character who sort of finds himself in a a love triangle with completely uh, different girls, both called Catherine, uh, and his stress over this whole thing plays out in the form of uh, like block climbing puzzles in a dream I, I haven't played this originally, it's always looked in, interesting but in, there's been some dodgy stuff about the remaster so I don't know where everyone stands on that at the moment uh, you noticed that there was some voiceover from another trailer audible during the segment so yeah. as a sign of like how quickly <laughs> they had to react to put this thing together um, a new update for Ring Fit Adventure fans, so they've added a rhythm game uh, which includes a bunch of uh, nintendo music including jump up superstar which is awesome uh there's a now a woman's voice for the the character of the ring uh, and some new language packs so you can play around with that and uh, a jogging mode so you can just run through some pretty environments and not have to worry about uh, battling monsters are you still playing ring fit adventure
1: still playing it daily still trying to finish the main campaign it looks like i'm getting close to the end so ah nice we'll see Soon I, hopefully, I'll have it done by June.
0: Have you tried the rhythm game yet?
1: No, I haven't. Um, I, I haven't been real impressed by the mini games that are in Ring Fit Adventure. It's the the RPG that I'm more interested in mm-hmm. playing.
0: Uh, I've only seen one of the mini games, and that was the uh, clay pot making one, and that one. Uh, that one is wild. awful. That's one of the worst
1: <laughs> ones in the game. I, I I hate it when I have to do that to progress into the campaign.
0: Uh, now we uh, we're getting another. Uh, CRPG coming to the Switch, Uh, King's Bounty 2, which is a tactical RPG. Uh, That looked really cool, I like the look of that. Uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, they announced, well they half announced a fighter. The the next fighter will be from ARMS, but no announcement on which one it is, they're wanting to leave us guessing. And that coincides with a free trial for the game, ARMS, until April 6th. Uh, I might actually download this one and try it out, because I love fighting games, but I just this one didn't seem like it would appeal to me at all around the time of the the switch's launch. Uh did you try this at all? I played the multiplayer stress test that they did
1: like in the months before the game came out. I played mm-hmm. it for about 10 minutes and that was about how long it took me to realize I was not going to enjoy this game. I I have no real interest in playing the <laughs> full game either, which is what this this trial is. So like if you yeah. just want to download it to blow through the story mode you can do that
0: it's kind of like cartoony punch out really isn't it that's the the vibe I get from it not at all but okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay moving on uh bravely default 2 we got a good look at that the systems uh, definitely look identical to the the original bravely default uh, the world seems a bit more expansive and and obviously you know in, in higher definition than the the 3ds games. Uh, and they dropped a free demo. Uh, so it's it's one of those where they they say they're looking for feedback that they can implement in the full game, but but probably won't, as they did with the Octopath number <laughs> one. Um, if this was one of those demos where your progress saved and you could carry it on, I would have definitely downloaded that by now. But as it's just a, a tester, I, I think I'll leave. I, I, I know I'm probably going to get this game. Uh, what about you?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely going to get this one. I never finished the first one. But I did enjoy it. Um, I just there was just something about the 3DS. I just I never <laughs> stuck with it. I don't know why. Just the 3DS just never appealed to me as a handheld. I think I was just I, just done with SD graphics by the time the 3DS <laughs> came out.
0: I hope they bring back the option to like turn up the rate of encounters and turn it down, or just yeah. turn them off when you mm-hmm. want. Because that that was a really neat way to let people manage their progress however they wanted um of course you could get yourself into trouble with it from time to time but uh yeah that that was a feature that i was convinced was gonna just be on all jrpgs (laughs) henceforth and just never materialized
1: it's in more of them now like i hope that comes back but i also hope they add tents like you know Mm -hmm. items you can use to to heal at save points and on the world map instead of always Mm -hmm. having to go to town to heal that was a big sticking point for me with the first one probably one of the reasons i didn't finish it was i was spending so much time running back to town just to heal i was like (laughs) just give me a freaking tent come on this is a a throwback (laughs) rpg and it doesn't have a staple of throwback rpgs that anyway rant over
0: (laughs) (laughs) uh they announced that clubhouse games uh, 51 worldwide classics is coming to switch on on june the 5th that looks interesting but you know I feel like there's a small use case for that for most Switch owners, but, you know, it's a, it's got touchscreen versions of classic board games that you can play with your friends. Um feel sorry for the guy that had to list all 51 of them <laughs> in the trailer. I feel like they were just filling out some time with that. But
1: <laughs> Yeah, I was like, are you really devoting time to this game? Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, next up was Ninjala, coming May 27th. Uh, this is a free-to-play competitive 4v4 3D Ninja Brawler uh yeah big splatoon vibes from this i had to double take and make sure it wasn't from a nintendo studio as you fight you chew ninja gum to get ninja powers or something it looks interesting
1: it looked like complete nonsense i'm sure it'll be really popular with a certain crowd of people
0: <laughs> yeah uh not one for me i don't think yeah probably not uh so they have announced uh, star wars jedi Knight jedi academy that's available now uh it has multiplayer uh, but the servers are being invaded, apparently, by PC players that are using hacks and superior controller setups to dominate. That's a bit of a pain. The I picked up the, the last one. Oddly, they released Jedi Knight 2 before this one. Yeah. I picked that up a couple of, like, last year, and I started it and went, yeah, this is a an era-standard FPS, and quit out and never went back to it. Yeah, I think I was just super burned out by uh, Rise of Skywalker after that, and I just kind of didn't want to touch Star Wars again after. Uh, So yeah, that was majorly disappointing. Star Wars Episode 1 racer is coming soon, I have this on N64, and I think I got it in a PC bundle at some point. Yeah, so we can uh, make some crappy... uh, now this is pod racing jokes when that releases. (laughs) Uh, did you ever play this originally?
1: Loved it on Nintendo 64. This is yeah. my favorite Star Wars game. This is one of the only racing games that doesn't involve turtle shells that I've actually put a significant amount of time into. <laughs> thrilled this is coming. Uh, nice. Not so thrilled about how much it's probably going to cost, looking at how much uh, the other Star Wars ports are costing, but I'll get it eventually.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh panzer dragoon remake uh, much uh, anticipated by many not by me unfortunately because i have no emotional attachment to this game at all uh that came out as a timed exclusive at the time of the direct uh we we sort of briefly discussed both picking it up but i don't think we cared enough a- about it really either
1: no never owned a sega saturn never played the original i, I was interested in getting this because you know panzer dragoon is supposed to be a classic if if you can find a copy of it online it costs several hundred dollars <laughs> but mm-hmm. the the reviews that i've seen of it so far have been pretty middling so and like it's still called panzer dragoon remake like you couldn't come up with a real title <laughs> for it and then in, <laughs> it was probably affected by the coronavirus it probably wasn't supposed to be just dumped onto the e-shop the way it was mm. but that was kind of the way it happened so I, I just the way it was released and the reviews i've seen of it so far kind of made me decide to wait for a sale on
0: this one yeah that's fair i'm, I'm sort of interested in it but only from a you know it, it's a highly rated Retro game that I, I should have probably played at some point and just never, never got there. But that, that's about it. I, I'm I'm in no rush to, to visit it. Uh, then we got hit with a sizzle reel of uh, a bunch of interesting things. So uh, we got the Trials of Mana remake uh, coming April twenty fourth. Uh, Fuser music uh, rhythm game coming in Fall twenty twenty. Uh, the Elder Scrolls Blades, which is the the mobile game that massively disappointed and didn't live up to any of the promises uh, from a couple of years ago uh, Warhammer 40k uh, me- Mechanicus uh, that, uh, that looked interesting I, I, I like my my turn based strategy and it, it looked like it had some neat things but I know these Warhammer games tend to be a bit hit and miss uh, Vigor uh, is getting a closed beta on April 9th uh, Burnout Paradise Remastered is coming uh, this was one of my highlights of this direct um, yeah me too I uh, I had it on uh, 360 and just criminally underplayed it, but I loved <laughs> the time I spent with it, and I, I'm looking forward to revisiting that. Yeah, so I I don't think I was alone in in celebrating that one. There's always debates about with Burnout about which one is the best one, but uh, yeah, this this is the op- the first open world one, uh, and and it was really interesting, and I remember the races being a lot of fun. Be minus a feature that the 360 had, where you could crash into someone, it would snap your photo using the uh, the vision camera. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they'll do anything with that. I actually, uh, conversationally, I've I've started working from home like mid last week, and uh, they wanted to do video conference meetings instead of our regular meetings. I, I the the video camera I'm using <laughs> is my Xbox Live vision cam. <laughs> yeah,
1: we've been doing that too, uh, doing daily video check-ins for my office and yeah. everybody else in my office is using like either literally their phone or their loaner laptops they took home and i'm there with my streaming setup <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i've been doing that i had a few people asking what stuff was on, on all my shelves behind me which was uh which was fun yeah so back on the thing uh saints row 4 re-elected that came out Uh, during the direct i think that was scheduled anyway that was just highlighting that 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 was a thing Uh, i think it uh, from what i've read it fares better than the last saints row game that they released on switch uh technically and Mm. i think it's just considered the better game because it makes it a bit more interesting rather than just being a a gta clone um Mm. they give you superpowers so it makes it a bit more crackdowny
1: i think saints row 3 is where the series started getting wacky but saints row 4 is where it goes over the top i think saints row 4 is the one where sylvia plath is the narrator that's how weird
0: saints row 4 (laughs) is
1: and also you're the president of the united states
0: (laughs) yeah and then you get superpowers and yeah (laughs) yep next up was the the legend of heroes trails of cold steel 3 Uh, i gather that's a highly rated series i've got no history with it so i'll probably skip that one Um, Mr. Driller Drillland is coming on June 25th. Uh, The last one on the the sizzle reel was uh, Minecraft Dungeons coming spring 2020, but uh, we've got here that it's likely to be delayed by coronavirus. Um, It's basically Minecraft Diablo, and that sounds appealing to me. What about you?
1: I got Diablo 3. I mean, I don't need anything (laughs) else. (laughs) If I'm going to play a game like that, I'll just play Diablo 3.
0: It'll certainly be a one and done, though for me. It's not one I'll, I'll look to keep playing. It'd have to be a deep discount
1: for me to get that one.
0: Fair enough. Uh, and then they finished off with uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, the Isle of Armour. They went on a more of a deep dive on that. Uh, in the game, you'll visit a dojo and you'll get a, a Kubfu. And then you'll get a choice of two towers to, vis- to visit with the aim of getting a a, a different style for your uh, evolved Kubfu. He turns into... Uh, Urshifu, uh, so if you go to the Dark Tower you get Single Strike style, if you go to the Water Tower you get Rapid Strike style um, and your Evolved Starter Pokemon will gain Gigantamax forms along with that these new outfits, new hairstyles blah 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 blah, all the customization stuff, uh, and there's a Leon outfit pre-order bonus yeah, I mean, they need to advertise this stuff, but there were, you know it didn't feel like much more than what we already knew, maybe a little bit more of a look at the gameplay, uh, which just looks like more Pokémon Sword and Shield, which you know I'm fine with. I'm probably going to get this anyway. Um, I thought it was a disappointing way to leave off the direct, but I, I, I guess some of their bigger surprises they're wanting to wait until they can safely do a a proper full-on direct. So thoughts on the direct overall? Good, fair, middling? I thought it was fair. I mean, it could
1: have been better, but. I think it's apparent at this point that this Direct was supposed to happen sooner, but has been delayed due to world events. So almost everything in here had already been leaked. So there weren't too many surprises. Borderlands was really nice to see. Burnout Paradise, nice to see. And, you know, there were a couple of things that were that were cool. I was glad to see it, but nothing that I got excited or surprised by.
0: Uh, what was your highlight? Um...
1: Uh, Gee, I don't know. <laughs> uh, probably Borderlands because you know I wanted it for so long. Especially the package yeah. it's coming in—you know, all mm-hmm. three games with all their DLC for fifty dollars. That's an amazing value. That's like two hundred and fifty hours of first-person shooter game <laughs> for fifty bucks. That's a great deal at that price. But even still, I'm, I'm probably going to wait for Black Friday to grab this package.
0: Fair enough. Uh, for me, it was a cross between uh, the the Bioshock stuff, uh, sorry, the 2K stuff, Xenoplade uh, Chronicles Remastered. I know we've seen it before, but yeah, the, this trailer got me. Um, and definitely Burnout, because uh, yeah, I want that. Um, I, I have no idea how well that worked with a wheel back on 360.
1: That's what I want Burnout
0: Paradise for,
1: is I just want another game yeah. to play with my racing wheel. <laughs>
0: Because I I was big on playing online then, and I was playing with a group of people who would have wanted to use a wheel for something like that. Um, Not really in contact with them anymore, so I can't really check. But yeah, that'll be interesting. Uh, But we're going to talk more about the wheel a little further on as we jump into what we've been playing this week.
1: All hail the wheel!
0: (laughs) Okay, I'll start. So... Yeah, I, I'm trying to avoid this becoming Andy's weekly racing game segment. I'm just really, really deep into a racing game vibe at the moment. I uh, It started with the wheel, and I've, I've just been playing pretty much only racing games. Most, mostly uh, Grid Autosport, which is just a fantastic game. So at the start of the week, I, I was still having to travel into the office on the Plague Tube, or the bus, as other people call it. Um, and I was still in that racing game uh, vibe. And I didn't want, really want to play grid auto sport on anything but the wheel so because uh, I've, I've just been having so much fun with that so I was looking at the store and seeing what was viable and they had mantis burn racer uh, which is a, a top-down racer sort of you know harking back to the old uh, micro machines games you know there have been, been more since uh, and that seemed like a good option because it was still racing i didn't feel like I'd be missing out without the wheel uh, and I did kind of have my eye, eye on it like nearer the, the launch of the switch i think it came out just shortly after did remind me a lot of a MotorStorm game that launched on the the vita which was like a a top-down take on that series from the ps3 using uh, remote control cars and and this is pretty similar because there's a lot of like off-roady stuff which i'll get into uh so it's uh, a racing game made up of like Using fictional cars, so there's there's light, which is your buggies, medium, which is your sports cars, heavies, which are your trucks, and then later on towards the end of the game, you can even get like futuristic uh, hover cars and things like that. Handling wise, all these these cars control well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, the gameplay is based on drifting, which is essential to like building your boost meter. Uh, which drifting I usually hate in games, but I I think it does translate well into a top down view just uh, just on the the physics and the handling especially on this game makes it work well um and the other thing the top down viewers gives you an interesting take on finding and attacking that that racing line which is also important to getting best times and everything the boost that i just mentioned is is actually like really super weedy and doesn't last very long but uh, you can kind of upgrade it as you go along so i'll get i'll get into that as we touch on the career mode uh so the career mode uh is sort of set up a bit like Team Sonic Racing, you know, where it's got like the the overworld map and you pick what races you want to do. And uh, the idea is to get to the next season, you have to earn enough gears to get past the gate and you can get six gears from each event so you get three for winning and then there are three others sort of distributed for beating like particular challenges such as like destroying a percentage of obstacles on the course or doing amazing drifts or not using your boost and, and things like that and um, each one of these maps re- represents a season there's three seasons for each difficulty uh, and these difficulties just keep going beyond like uh novice medium uh, sorry intermediate and hard it gets in like there's heaps of levels to plow through on this so you also earn cash by winning which you can then spend on on new cars uh the cars are also sort of gated by the season difficulty you're on so you can't you can't get ahead of the curve by buying like an intermediate car when you're still in the novice section each car has a number of upgrade slots uh, and you get the upgrades by playing through the optional events they're sort of littered around the map so if you complete say a circle of the map where there's one hidden within you'll then get the upgrade uh so when you upgrade your car you have to be careful and pick carefully because you cannot remove them you can only destroy them uh, and i made that mistake on my light rookie buggy so mm. i'm not sure how uh, unaffective i've now made that car and made it difficult for myself for the rest of the uh the rookie events but uh i'll i'll see how i go with that and you can once you've completely filled the car with upgrades, you can pay money to open up more upgrade slots on it. So you can you can keep upgrading your car like that. That gives you some sort of impetus to go back and replay some of those levels and try and cap off some of the challenges that you missed if if you were just playing to win. And there are a bunch of event types. So with some you can pick any car. Some are locked to, to certain classes. So I'm just going to say outright, I really hate the heavy class on this because the handling is awful. I'll get more into that again in a second. Uh, so you get leagues where you'll you'll play like a series of races, two or three races, and you have to be be at the top of the league. Come the end, so there are time trials where you're fighting against ghosts of initially one other car and also yourself. There's accumulators where you you, you have to earn ten thousand points by say staying in the high positions. So obviously you've got to be up front for a good portion and then try and be high up enough to take you over the line. Uh, and then there's knockout. Uh, where the last driver each lap gets eliminated, uh, this game gets really difficult even in some of the rookie stages. Um, there are a couple of reasons for that. the The slightest knock means that the whole field will catch up with you uh, within microseconds, uh, while those in front will just zoom off, and and their their lead will just almost seem insurmountable. Doesn't always seem to be the case. Uh, other cars don't seem to take that same performance hit when they knock the side, um, so that this means this game needs the highest concentration, so it's it's a lot less f- forgiving than other arcade racers uh, on the market, and that means there's a lot of restarts, and loading times are a problem, it takes a while, so it can make uh, problematic events for you like really tiring. Uh, the racetracks themselves, so it has a, a good mix of um, like off-road. It's mostly off-road games, but there's some built-up urban areas, there's tracks that take you through both both types of scenery. I was looking at reviews uh, before I bought it, and there seemed to be a consistent theme in the critis- criticism that there wasn't enough racetracks in the game. I don't always think that's a bad thing, uh, and that can be used smartly because it, it's about encouraging mastery Of those racetracks, like the original Ridge Racer, only had one track that, uh, as you went up the difficulty scale, it would add new parts onto it, and it was like encouraging you to just learn the track off by heart. And you know, to that day, it's still one of my favourite races uh, because it it used it smartly. There are shortcuts on these tracks, but they only seem to be beneficial to AI racers. Like if if I take them. And the AI racers go the long way around, they're still right behind me. But if I take the long way around and AI racers take through the shortcut, that it's always a boost to them. And honestly, often it's better just to try and risk taking the long way. Because the, uh, the shortcuts can come up at short notice and you can just lose the race yourself by hitting the side. The one thing I will really praise here is that the graphical design of these tracks is is superb. Like it's a really pretty game. Uh, the dirt tracks are impressive, like rocky overpasses and cliffs and mountain sides, and the way the dust kicks up looks great, uh, even in handheld. Uh, in urban areas, it's you know it's all c- cities and s- skyscrapers, and it you know that also looks clean and and lovely. Uh, just it's a pretty game. As for where I've landed up on it, I think it's decent but not amazing. Uh hating the truck races is kinda killing the experience for me a little bit, particularly when my progress is gated by them. I, I'm slowly coming to terms with them, but yeah. I, I think I'm gonna hit a point where I just drop off with this one. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm gonna continue that much further with <laughs> you know, much further with it. Uh, I kind of think there are better games in this style of racer I think that, I think that's where I sit with it it's it's fun when it's going your way but when it's not it seems like it's working against you and, and that's not much fun and and the loading times are just a, a massive problem for restarting yeah so that's uh mantis burn racing if you I know you're not massive on racers but this this is not really that as po-faced as the ones that I tend to like so did you have any interest in this one previously
1: I'm only aware of the title (laughs) yeah yeah um there's got to be some hook or gimmick to get me to play a racing game and if I don't see (laughs) one immediately I tend to just keep scrolling through the store page
0: yeah I I feel like there are other there, there might be better options or for me already on on the store for that but uh We'll talk more about some racing games later. Uh, let's go on to something you've played. So let's start with Hypercharge Unboxed because uh, this was one that I was originally interested in.
1: Hypercharge Unboxed is a first-person shooter tower defense game where you play as an action figure part of the Hypercharge fictional, you know, toy line. And at the start of every match, you bust out of your little container and you have to defend these three differently colored like power sources which I I think might be what makes your character sentient uh, the the circumstances of the game aren't aren't all that clear it, it probably doesn't even matter they're probably never going to explain it uh, but uh, <laughs> you run out into an environment you're usually either in a toy store or you're in some person's house and you have a few minutes to run around gathering tokens that let you, craft walls or traps or turrets that you can set up around preset points around the different power sources you're supposed to protect, and then when your few minutes are up, then waves of enemies will attack, and you've got to destroy them all before they destroy your power sources. And you can play it either single player or online multiplayer, or there's local multiplayer too, but I, I don't have anybody to play with. Um, <laughs> the thing I like most about this game is, is all the unlocks that are in it, because there are a lot of achievements you can get for doing special things like defeating a certain amount of enemies or doing a specific action that isn't necessarily something it would ever occur to a person to do and then there are also just earning medals from the maps by beating them on different difficulties and with the power sources in at different states of health and all of those unlock new customization options for your for your action figure that you play as there's five different like action figure sets there's like a standard gi joe characters you start off with there's like a kung fu set that you can unlock and there's like a set of dinosaur humanoid dinosaur characters and you can get different guns like one of the guns i unlocked is is made of cheese Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh and just different heads that you can unlock for the different action figure sets, so like, I have my G.I. Joe sets and then I have a whole host of different heads and different bodies that they can wear, so there's a lot of mixing and matching on the customization here, and you unlock a lot of customization stuff just from playing the game. So, it's a cool, good-looking, well-handling tower defense game. I didn't really enjoy playing it solo. I I felt like I was getting overwhelmed very quickly. Uh, Hmm. it's it's playable solo, it's serviceable solo, but I think it's better multiplayer, and this game is just dead online, there's nobody playing it online on Switch so like, we are seeing reports now of Star Wars Jedi Academy being, Switch players are being invaded by PC players because PC players can choose which multiplayer servers they can play on Switch players don't get an option, so they're just kind of stuck, so that sucks, but at least there is crossplay for the Switch players to have somebody to play with, even if it's mm-hmm. a bad experience. But then you got a game like Harpy Charged Unboxed, there's nobody playing online. So <laughs> I, I think it's a potentially good game, but you need somebody to play it with.
0: Yeah, I keep jumping back into Warface here and there, and there's always people playing that. So it's, I, don't, I don't think it's like a, a failure of the system or that people don't want these types of games on there. Uh, I just wonder why this one hasn't really grabbed attentions. Well, it's
1: an indie game. I've, both you and I have had our eye on it for a while. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it, not a while. It only came out a couple months ago. But uh, I just don't think it's gotten a lot of traction yet. And when you got this game that costs $20 and you got Warface, which costs nothing, or Fortnite, which costs... is free. I, I, I don't think it's a huge leap to understand why, especially on the switch where i I think it would be fair to say shooters are a niche genre on the switch uh, especially compared to pc where shooters are very much a mainstay it's not Mm -hmm. surprising why there's not much of a community here it's unfortunate i think it's a good game i just i just think without anybody to play it with if you don't have anybody to play it local with then i don't think you're gonna enjoy this game much on this platform does it run well it runs very well it's it's a really it's a really good looking game like, uh, it's all toys. Like, you play as toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guns that you're firing, they they look and, like, they, they feel in as much, like, you know, in a game feel kind of way. They feel like guns, but they are toy guns. They're firing little pellets because you can actually see yeah. them on the ground. Uh, uh. And, like, you're fighting toys, so it's not violent or anything like that. But it's very good at capturing, like, the essence of playing as these toys in these huge environments that are just like regular sized rooms <laughs> it's a good looking game
0: nice cool so uh, let's move on to something else i've been playing so I, th- I thought i'd better finally actually say something i'm playing in the week and then actually play it uh, <laughs> so i chose submerged which uh, i picked up because it was like two dollars australian and it- i read that it was short uh, so I thought I'd give that a go. Uh, so Submerged is uh, about a flooded city which is uh, you know a relic of uh, of our era. A young girl and her unwell brother, Taku, drift in on a small boat. Uh, the boy is injured, uh, they're seeking shelter and she's looking for ways to heal him. There's no combat in this game, it's purely exploration. Uh, you sail around the flooded city looking for telltale signs of support drops from like whatever government had ruled here before and that's pretty much the gameplay loop you set out you go on your boat you you sail around looking for these uh deteriorated like parachutes at the top of buildings you can use a telescope to sort of help you know where they are and mark things on your map Uh, and then you head to the the building and then you start this like climbing mechanic before i get into the full climbing thing like there's this clear inspiration here from like the likes of team eco or that game company you know famous for journey and they're, they're obviously going for that sort of thoughtful emotional vibe so yeah so you, you get to the building you're, you're kind of guided visually by these vines with uh, red flowers on them which sort of indicate that you're going down the right path uh, then you start like some it's it's like semi uncharted style climbing mechanics so you, you know you're climbing the ledges there's uh, you work your way up to the top by going through different paths and things like that. Uh, it's not particularly puzzly. It's kind of obvious which way you're meant to go. Like Some of the ledges are broken, so you can only dangle from them. Some are full, so you can climb up and jump up to the next one. Uh, there are pipes uh, to climb, and that's about it, really, uh, for the gameplay. Like The only other stuff you can do there is to deviate and go a different direction... Sometimes in the world, sometimes while on a building, it'll have like uh, bits of lore hidden away as a collectible. Um, it could do more with this climbing stuff for sure. I, f- I feel like it could be a little bit more engaging. Uh, there are 10 supplies to find overall. I haven't quite finished it yet. I've, I've just hit the seventh one. And uh, yeah, uh, aside from that, there's also uh, other collectibles. So you, they trigger like hieroglyphics, which help you build up a, an idea of the the girl story the city story and how it fell uh, and plus you'll you'll find like key landmarks and uh, some creatures around uh, with the creatures the they provide most of the neat touches that you find so uh, like as soon as you find the first uh, supply you'll set off on your boat and you'll be greeted by a whale doing a dive near the near the safe zone and then at some point, during the story some weird mutated dolphins started swimming alongside my vessel that was pretty cool uh, they've got like uh mossy mutated backs like there's this something clearly going on in the city um on some of the bigger climbs there's also some cool little touches you get like director's camera shots partway through um a, which was particularly welcome on this uh, ladder climb that rivals like Snake Eater's infamous sequence for length but it lit a good spot for like, trying to spot where other suppliers were, so that was worth it in the end. Performance-wise, the visuals are a little rough, as is the handling. The, the frame rate is pretty steady, it drops occasionally, but it's not the sort of game where it's it's going to matter, you, you're not fighting things, you're not uh, trying to you know do something quickly like none of these ledges seem to like crumble or break away from you or anything like that so it's not it's not something that's going to hamper you from a gameplay perspective and the few and far between over the whole thing while we're talking about presentation there's this somber piano music that plays over everything which sort of just makes everything feel desolate and and hopeless and that's kind of the vibe they're going for I think Uh, so with about a quarter left to go I think it's an interesting game uh, I think I've, uh, I've got like under an hour left of it, and uh, I think that's smart on the developers' part, because the world is pretty sparse, uh, purposefully so, because they're, they're trying to get along, you know, this uh, apocalyptic element things, but also the mechanics aren't that engaging, so I don't think it could sustain anything longer than a few hours. It's a game that sells itself on the environmental storytelling but it's kind of lacking it's thoughtful but shallow but it's it's inoffensive and it, it's a chill experience so equally like I, I'm I'm not not enjoying it either uh, I'm glad I'm playing it but I don't think it's going to leave much of a mark up by the end um I, I got the sense like towards the end where I was uh, as i sorry as I'm coming towards the end where I think that uh I was thinking like man i hope they keep trying this type of game and like trying to hone their craft cuz I, I think that this development studio have it in them um but then i i took a, a look at the other stuff they've made it's uh, uppercut studios and they've kind of they've pretty much just made a a, a range of different mobile games and their last game is a first person roguelike which is on the switch it's called city of brass mm. um so I, I don't think continuing this this vibe of game is particularly going to be you know priority uh, i think this is kind of like their little experiment that they were allowed to do yeah it's it, it's a thoughtful but shallow game uh, and i think it'll it'll pass quickly and it won't leave much of an impression but it you will i don't think anyone would hate it okay so the uh, next one you've played i i took a good look at the uh, store for this one because it seemed interesting uh, certainly if it's the one i'm thinking of anyway way of the passive fist yeah way of the passive fist
1: was kind of a, a beat-em-up game like you know that old arcade game where you play as a character who starts on the left side of a level and walks like not super fast to the right side of a mm-hmm. level and every so often the screen stops scrolling and you have to fight off a wave of enemies it's like that and it, it, it's very much taking after those those games because it has all of those elements. It has, like, landmines on the ground that you have to be careful not to walk over and obstacles that will fire at you and you have to watch out as you're walking through level to make sure you're not getting hit by them. But what makes Wave the Passive Fist very different is uh, this is a beat-em-up game where you don't actually beat anybody up.
0: Uh, that, that's what grabbed my attention when I saw it in the store.
1: Yeah you play as this character called the Wanderer Uh, this is not a groundbreaking game in terms of plot but (laughs) uh, (laughs) who is this lone warrior who just wanders around this desert planet one day he's confronted by this bandit camp and after dealing with the bandits uh, he sees that their leader has this cyborg augmentation that reminds him of something from his past and realizes that there's this, this threat out there that only he can deal with so he sets out to deal with it and how he does that is through the way of the passive fist and he doesn't ever strike first at enemies. Uh, He will instead block or dodge their attacks until they tire themselves out and then when their stamina is completely gone, represented by a meter above them, basically a hit point meter but not really because he's not hitting them, he's avoiding hitting them then he can use just this very simple poke basically with two fingers to knock them down and (laughs) knock them out and that's the entire game it's basically a rhythm game because enemies will fight you one at a time they don't gang up on you Uh, and you just have to watch each type of enemy and learn what type of attack is coming by looking at the move they're about to do, or the sound they're making, there's always something that telegraphs what's about to come. And you either parry the attack, or you dodge the attack, and if you pick it wrong, then you'll get hit, you'll lose some hit points, and you have to try again. And enemies always follow the same patterns, so if I'm fighting, like, the red the red plant enemy uh it'll always use the same attack pattern the purple plant enemy will always use the same attack pattern but they come at you in different waves and they will take turns coming at you so you have to really be paying attention and you have to know what you're doing uh so it's basically a rhythm brawler game it's it adds a lot of rhythm elements to the the beat-em-up formula and
0: Hmm.
1: i really 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 liked this game uh (laughs) To the point where uh, I actually went back to my my listicle of the best indie releases of 2019 on Switch and actually updated it to include this game instead of a, another game that I had on there that I, I was had mixed feelings about including on that list because I, I had no hesitation about including this on it. Uh, a lot of that <laughs> might be because I, I got this game back at the beginning of December in a sale I paid a dollar 50 for it so <laughs> when you play a game and you really like it and then you've only paid a pittance for it that does tend to make me appreciate it more that probably has something mm-hmm. to do with it but I I just absolutely adored this game I cannot recommend nice. it enough it's probably the best game I played so far this year
0: how long do you reckon it takes
1: uh, it took me about five hours. Uh, it's not a terribly long game. There's ten levels, uh, and mm-hmm. there's most of the difficulty is on the bosses, you know, figuring out how you have to fight them, because the bosses can't just be knocked over by draining their stamina. You have to usually uh, charge up the Wanderer's super meter so he can use his superpowers uh, by dodging the attacks of the regular enemies. Uh, and then using that super meter on the boss itself while you're avoiding the boss. That's how it works on most of the bosses, but not all of them. The bosses are really different, and I think that's where most of the the difficulty and most of the barriers in this game are that are going to slow you down. Uh, but mm-hmm. I still got through it in one night, and there are multiple difficulty levels. There's all kinds of achievements, and there's a, a post-game mode called New Dawn, which is even more like an old arcade-style beat-em-up. In the main game, you just play it level by level by level. If you run out of lives on a level, you just start over. Uh, The new Dawn mode is exactly like an old arcade beat-em-up. If you run out of lives, you have to start the entire game over. And uh, it's a remixed version of the game with remixed bosses, and it utterly destroyed me. Like Even (laughs) on the standard difficulty level, which I got through, the main game without too much difficulty i couldn't even get past the first level <laughs> in the new <laughs> dawn mode uh, so I, I think if you really enjoy this game uh, and you're really looking for a challenge that new dawn mode will keep you busy for quite some time
0: yeah it sounds interesting I, I i did like the the sound of a, a beat-em-up where you don't want to beat them up um <laughs> yeah uh, I, I might look at that okay the last game that we're going to talk about in uh, terms of what we played uh, is Gear Club Unlimited Two? So I got this at half price uh, on, a, on a Switch sale uh, on the eShop, uh, and I bought it with the wheel in mind. So uh, this, the original Gear Club Unlimited, was touted as the system's first sim, uh, but was largely considered a, a big disappointment. I think it was a port of a mobile game, mm-hmm. uh, but the reason why that surprised me was because it was by the the team that made Test Drive Unlimited on uh, 360, uh, Eden Games. Uh, Test Drive Unlimited was one of my favourite races of all all time. Um, It had this great open world, it had a mixture of like online stuff. It's kind of been superseded by the Forza Horizon series since. Um, So I was surprised at the the reviews and, and never picked that up. I'm not sure of the exact time frame between... 1 and 2, but I feel like Gear Club Unlimited 2 was kind of like a quick-fire response to the criticisms of that. Eww. And, yeah, it doesn't... still doesn't really address many of those things. So, let me just uh, break and we'll talk about the wheel at first. So... The, the first time I booted it up, I did so to play with the wheel. I was delighted to find out that there was no like custom config required. The buttons, the wheel, the pedals, everything was just mapped perfectly. Ooh. What wasn't perfect was literally everything else. Oh. This game was not developed for a wheel, and it <laughs> shows painfully. So you remember when I complained about that dead spot in Team Sonic Racing? Yes. Much bigger here. Oh,
1: no. You're making, you're making me worried about Burnout Paradise now. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: this is... <laughs> This is uh, this is this is part of it. Uh, so once you get it turning the the window for turning the wheel is like really tiny. So if you go like slightly too far uh, your car goes into like this amazingly huge sudden oversteer which led me to drive just straight into cliffs constantly. Uh, so you'll be like riding this slight curve and you'll go that little fraction too far to correct so you don't hit the side and you'll just suddenly turn 90 degrees and like slow down while doing it. It's, it's really weird. So I, I persisted with it for like three or four attempts at the same race. It was a time trial because uh, I thought I could get the hang of it without other cars trying to bump me around. And I found I could get better at getting around the corners unscathed, uh, but I wasn't getting good times and I couldn't, get in the the top three to sort of beat the round it felt like moving a flat object not like not like a 3d object it felt like I was moving the camera and that was it uh, whereas in in grid even without having force feedback on the wheel you still get a good sense that you know the car's a physical object and it behaves with physics and um, so I, I switched to pad and all these problems went away uh, although it still controls a little heavily, but I think that's just how it controls. Uh, so with that, I've downloaded it to my Switch Lite and moved my save across, and now it's my sort of racer away from home. So the game itself. I, I love Test Drive Unlimited, which I spoke about before. The D- DNA of that lives on in Gear Club in some some kind of vibe, uh, sort of mixed with early Gran Turismos. Uh, there's There's a light story that runs through this career mode's Uh, in this game so you're like you're like a team's uh, development driver so you're helping them you know like tune the car and you're just driving trying to figure out all the kinks and you're the son of a famous racer Uh, and your team star racer has gone missing Uh, they haven't addressed why at any point Uh, but you're sort of forced to fill in and you do amazing and then you're asked to take over in the coming uh, racing season so like with Test Drive Unlimited like with Gran Turismo you start off with a small stack of cash and no car and then you have to sort of like buy cars to compete in these different events uh, and you slow you slowly work your way up from you know like consumer cars to sports cars and all that sort of jazz so you win events you get more money uh, you get better cars you can buy better upgrades and there's a whole heap of customization you can do i'll touch more on that shortly. Uh, the events you select from an overworld map just like the original gran turismo or the car dealerships are all locations on this overworld map just like gran turismo uh, but the, the, the neat thing here is that your your team has this huge hangar uh, which you use to install like upgrade stations uh, which you Which you can upgrade so you can there's like a paint station and you can upgrade it so you can put more decals on your car uh, There are like tire stations. You upgrade it at a second level you get better uh, Tires for your car to improve traction and stuff so that does impact the handling uh, quite a lot Um and yeah, you can customise it for the for the staff, and you can, it's like, at the beginning it looks like an old wooden warehouse, you can upgrade it to a steel warehouse, and it gets really fancy the more money you get. This stuff is, like, really, I, I'm finding this really engaging, even though it's, it's like, really surface level stuff. Um, it's like bread and butter in, in better racing games. Uh, and it's forming a large part of the satisfaction from its gameplay loop, even if the driving is not quite perfect uh the events here has different you know a lot of things but they're it's mainly consisting of like multi-race seasons for most part the races it's not circuit racing like uh like grid is where that's all you know like dead serious sport racing this has a lot of point-to-point races mostly point-to-point races rather than circuit but i'm pretty sure in some of these i am actually going around in circles even though (laughs) the pre-game map tells me it's not like i'm I'm hitting landmarks i'm like i'm pretty sure i've gone past here already the point-to-point stuff isn't a criticism itself it's just a difference to to other racing games uh the handling is a little heavier than than grid uh there's there's no like damage models like you're not going to spin off your car's not suddenly going to fail on you like it can in grid autosport um there's like low punishment for hitting other cars so like i I'm happily bumping cars out of my way and spinning them off because I'm spiteful in this one. But then it's doing quite a lot less and it looks a lot worse doing it. So visually it completely pales in comparison to Grid Autosport, which is, you know, just to be fair, is just a completely better racing game all around. Um, But uh, Gear Club looks especially bad when docked, um, looks a lot better in handheld mode, which is good because you know I've put it on the light uh, for now. Yeah, uh, there there is there does seem to be a lot of game here. Um, there's so much variety in terms of the vehicles, the the race types, how you can customize your cars. Um, I like that thing where you can, you know, be struggling in a race event and then you know add a few upgrades to your car and just make it that little bit easier for you. Um, that sort of follows the Forza Motorsport 2 route, where uh, your position on the grid is, is kind of automatically dictated by how good your car is compared to the rest of the cars on the field. So if you upgrade your car to the to be better than everyone else's, you'll be pole position. It's a, a better game than Grid to jump in for small sessions. Uh, the loading times are reasonable for, for a 3D racer compared to something like uh, Mantis Burn Racing which was terrible for that. Um, it's a little, like, as a game, it just feels rough around the edges, like, uh, Grid Autosport is just polished to perfection, and this just feels rough. It's... I'd go as far to say it's pretty mediocre in everything it does, but I still kind of admire it. Because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of it. the the mechanics that aren't strictly related to the racing are, are engaging. Um, and I've never like really bored while playing it uh so it's it's too hard to be disappointed with it uh wheel suitability aside uh it it's one of those it's it's fine it's not great it's fine and and sometimes that's okay especially if you buy a half off yeah a half off i'm not too bothered and and the original one is is mega cheap too that's like 15 bucks i think i think this one cost me 25 and uh, yeah, the originals yeah. down to fifteen. I, I was half tempted to pick that up as well, just for for giggles. But I think I'll pass. It's just my my biggest gripe was just how disappointing it was to control with the wheel. Um, I just hadn't considered that it wouldn't work. I, I you know, especially for a game that's selling itself as you know this deep sim, and it's 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 not really it's it's an mm. arcade racer dressed up as a sim. And uh, yeah, but it wasn't as bad as I I like, expected. Like I bought it fully well knowing that it didn't have the best reputation so I, I think in in some ways that's helped me enjoy it more you know pretty much what you were saying like when you you, you buy a game for cheap and it's great so it makes it have more value like yeah uh, like there's a lot to do racing fans i think would get some enjoyment out of it but it's, it's definitely not best in class is is all i can say um but yeah, I do like that side stuff. That, that's It's really cool. It gives you that sense of progression and you feel like you're, you're doing something other than just straight racing. Uh, I don't mind that at all. We're just going to do part of our, our new segment. So it's a, a short segment on what we've achieved in Animal Crossing uh, the last week. Uh, I have had a glance through. We've sort of... Got some similar stuff. You're you're just ahead of me, so uh, I'll start. So I got the museum built, and donated a, a bunch of things, uh, kept telling Blathers that I didn't want to hear his explanations on everything. I let him have you one, what? and then yeah, I, I don't want I don't want the history lesson. You uncultured swine. I let him have one, and then never again. I ex- I managed to expand my house once. So I'm sorry. I built the house, expanded it once. Um, I have visited a bunch of the projects proc gen islands only because i had terrible luck finding ore from the, the oh, rocks yeah. on my island
1: i've only gone to one proc gen island so far and that was just because it was next up in the game's prescribed progression like i <laughs> just haven't felt the need to go to any other islands although i would like if anybody out there is following me uh, <laughs> i would like to visit some other islands to get the other types of fruit i haven't unlocked yet apples cherries and a third one i i don't know what the third one is but i'm missing three of the fruit if anybody out there is listening
0: (laughs) get in contact um yes i just had this terrible luck with finding the ore and i don't know why um and then i had that thing where i went to a couple of islands and i'd had i've eaten 10 pieces of fruit which makes you more powered so i was just smashing the rocks limiting my (laughs) my ability to get the ore you fool yeah, I, I didn't realise that's what was happening until the, the second night. So it wasn't until Friday night that I actually had the ore to get the shop built, so I got to play with that a bit yesterday, kind of, because I didn't boot the game up till after 10 o'clock, so it was shut, so I couldn't even go in. <laughs> um, in fact, I I hadn't seen the game in daylight for over a week until today, <laughs> so I finally got to go into Nook's Cranny. Um, I met a ghost who's scared of ghosts, and claims he's not a ghost, uh, and he was scared of me. And his spirit shot off all over the island. And I had to go find them for him to get some cool stuff. He gives you a choice: something expensive or something you don't have. Uh, I managed to catch a hammerhead shark, which was surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I got a dartboard by going to a gen Island and shaking a tree. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. So I, I was like, cool. Yeah, I, I can get that. Someone might have pinned a dartboard to a tree. You know. So I take it back to my village, and I tried to put it on my wall, and it just kept telling me I had no space. It was literally like an arcade cabinet dartboard. Oh, like what? Like an actual yeah,
1: an arcade game.
0: Yeah, like like the sort of one that you'd find in a pub. Like it's got the score <laughs> the score thing. Okay, and like it's a full size. Oh, like,
1: okay, I see what you're saying now.
0: That fell out of a tree. <laughs> that could have killed me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, a conundrum I've stopped debating since the King cube era <laughs> i remember reading that in a magazine it's like all furniture can be stored as a leaf in your pocket i was like what 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 and i'm just like yeah okay that's animal crossing <laughs>
0: i also got murdered by a scorpion yeah mm-hmm. tarantulas i, I caught, caught, caught the next one i haven't seen a tarantula yet i did find a spider in a tree that's the difference between our hemispheres it
1: de- it depends it's affecting what mm. appears in each of our seasons because i think you're gonna be in in fall moving into winter i'm in yeah i'm in winter moving into spring
0: i think Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a good point i hadn't thought of that um i've uh, i see here that you've decked your house out completely with wood furniture i've been uh, less active on that Uh, i've been focusing on doing the other stuff and also because i've met uh, three characters on the other islands. They all got invited, so since I got the uh, the shop, I've been able to pick spots for them. Uh, and to do that, you have to get like the furniture requests in order so mm-hmm. there's three interior items three ex- exterior so I just went around doing that so I've been prioritizing everyone else um, and also some of the stuff they wanted was stuff I'd already done and put around my house so I, instead of crafting <laughs> new ones I, I just ran back and got it to get it sorted
1: I, I was surprised actually how much of the DIY stuff I was doing because uh, listening to the pre-release stuff for the game I was like okay I'll use the DIY stuff to craft my own tools but i don't see myself using it to craft furniture for me because i i am really attached to the old way of playing the game where i go Mm. in the shop every day and see what's for sale and i bash something together that kind of fits and and the more i play over months and years the the more furniture i have access to so i can actually make something i really want but I had all this wood lying around and, and wood really isn't that hard to get. You just make yourself a stone ax and you mm-hmm. go out and just beat on trees for 10 minutes and you've got more wood than you're able to do anything with in a single day. So uh, I did just crafted a bunch of the wood furniture because especially at this point of the game that I'm at, my other villagers are teaching me wood furniture recipes. And once a day, there's a bottle that turns up on your beach that uh, Mm -hmm. has a new DIY recipe in it. I assume at some point I'm going to run out of DIY recipes to learn, but there's no end in sight right now, a week and a day into the game now. Uh, And I'm pretty happy with how my room looks. I've even been using one of those design web apps to import pictures. (laughs) So (laughs) I have my Twitter profile picture hanging on my wall and uh i have a picture of my cat hanging on the wall too (laughs) oh that's a great idea yeah
0: because we've got we've got actual canvases in our house of our cats i can just get those pictures (laughs) and recreate that's a great idea um
1: and then i also have uh this one i didn't use a web app to import i actually made it myself i did a, a pixel by pixel recreation of Uh, the 1993 version of Link's Awakening Link passed out on the beach. (laughs) I have that sitting on my beach now. (laughs) And uh, every time I go by it, it still catches my eye. I'm like, oh, is that something? I was like, oh, wait, no, that's right. I made that. I put that there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And like like you said, I'm a little bit ahead of you. I've done everything you've done, but also today my resident services got upgraded from the tent to the -hmm. town hall that Isabel works in. So uh, I'm actually a little disappointed how fast I got there. Like, uh, All I need now is Abel and Mabel's design shop to have everything that's in a default Animal Crossing town in, in the older games. I'm a little disappointed I got there in just a week. Although I am mm-hmm. also, I am playing this two to three hours a day, if not more, so I'm, I'm probably playing it more than many people have done, so Like, I do everything I can do in a a day, and then I stop, which is maybe more than Animal Crossing is intended to be played. But I've really been enjoying it, and I've been following a guide online, which normally I don't do, but I I kind of justify it to myself that there are magazines out there that you can buy that tell you what is in season as far as fishing and Mm bug-catching. So it's like, okay, well, all I'm doing is just consulting uh, an enthusiast guide to find out what kind of fish are out there this month and I, I have caught every fish and every type of bug I can catch in March <laughs> before they <laughs> disappear when the seasons change so yeah I,
0: I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that like when I played Minecraft a lot of my experience was going what the hell is this yeah. and then looking it up on the internet so I, I can get get
1: along with that I need to do that in Minecraft because I I still have no clue what I'm supposed to be accomplishing in <laughs> Minecraft so I have all this stuff I've dug up and just boxes and boxes of crap that i've dug out of walls and i don't know what to do with any of it (laughs) but anyway
0: uh i i so yeah with this i I had i was on a similar mind with the crafting i was like that's cool but i'm not sure how much i'd do it um and then like last night when i was preparing stuff for the the other villages i I just had this moment where i was just like yeah i love this (laughs) this is the best thing of it like that whole thing of like you craft something, and then it opens up something else you can craft with that one thing. Like, I, I don't know what it is. It's just it's just this nice, comforting rhythm. Um, and because it's such a, a peaceful, chill game, it's just such a great relaxer.
1: Yeah, and, like, and I've just opened up the town hall, which opens up a whole slew of new design options. Like, I don't have mm-hmm. access to all of them right now, because they do take resources, but, like, the option is visible to me at least. So like as far I can move the buildings around on my island now but I I don't oh. I don't want to do that yet but I I have that power now. And so now I can use my nook miles to buy like lamp posts and th- public seating and everything now. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm really starting to imagine what I could make my island into as far as like a working community. And I'm going to wait until I have the terraforming option which I guess is the last thing that you unlock before I really start investing resources into doing that, but I'm imagining now what long-term my island is going to look like.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said about you were disappointed that you got so much stuff in the space of a week, but I think a large part of this setup is it's a slow drip feed of the things that you can do in a way where it makes you think about what you want to do when you have the full options available to you. Yeah, totally because um, I'm, I'm already picturing like how i want to arrange things and you know like i regret putting certain houses <laughs> in certain places so i can't wait for that ability to move stuff and i and i definitely have a spot for my house where i will live away from the commoners
1: Yeah, the way the game is structured in the first few days like you don't really have a choice like you have to put mm-hmm. buildings in places where long term you're not going to want them i'm sure that's intentional but like you can have different tiers of the island like there's the bottom tier you start off in, then there's a cliff tier up that you can go up from there, and then there's a top tier cliff and that actually determines what is, is there. And like I'm, I'm already planning my town hall is kind of in the, the center right side of the map so I, I'm mm-hmm. planning to put my town hall, like it, the town hall is where the town hall is, I don't think you can move it but I'm going to put my shops, like my services, like Nook's Cranny and whatever it upgrades into and Mabel and Abel's design shop are going to go to the right there where that is and then there's going to be a tier up from that on the next cliff level. I'm going to put all my houses there. All my villager houses are going to be there and my house is going to be there. And I'm I'm probably going to have a little bit more elaborate thing for that. Mm -hmm. And then the next tier up from that, which is going to take up the entire west side of the island is going to be like nature basically. (laughs) Uh, That's where all my trees are going to go and I'm going to try to get all my rocks moved up there but you can't control where the rocks spawn (laughs) you can smash them and they respawn after a few days but they just appear randomly in a place which uh, that kind of sucks considering the amount of control you have over the other aspects of your island design but long term that's my plan it's probably going to take me months to get that done but i just i'm looking forward to getting to that point
0: (laughs) i also planted a money tree so i am just waiting for that to grow and uh, I put the full backs I could in it. So. 10,000,
1: yeah. Every day, like, if you're listening, if you've never played Animal Crossing before, every day on your island, there's a little, like, shiny thing you can dig up in the ground that leaves this big golden hole filled with light. If you drop 10,000 bells in there, and the tree will start growing, if you wait for that tree to grow, you will get 30,000 bells out of that after a mm-hmm. few days. Now, if you do that every single day, you know at the start you'll be giving up ten thousand bells every day. But once you get that chain going, of every day you're planting a new bell tree, every day you'll start getting thirty thousand bells. (laughs) So that adds up pretty quick. So you want to get
0: on that as soon as you can. I've I've only done it once. I don't want to sort of abuse the economy, but I might do it a couple more times. (laughs) I did. uh, I see. I saw a, a tweet by someone on. Uh, sorry, someone I know who was saying that they they're liking Animal Crossing, but they felt like there was this weird pressure to be up to date with yeah, it. Yeah. So I, I was I was trying to reassure them with like you know like you play it how you want. Everyone moves at a different pace. Everyone mm-hmm. like it's a game about doing the things you want to do. Uh, and I, I pointed them to this other tweet that I saw, which is which, which I thought was really good. It's by a guy called uh, Robert Weiserhen, uh, and he says that Animal Crossing is bonsai. It's a little thing that you open each day so you can notice and appreciate its natural growth, then you tend to it sometimes down to the pixel shaping it to your vision and then you joyfully share it with others along the way. I thought that was a really good <laughs> analogy.
1: Yeah, like over time there will be less like, pressure because <laughs> like, there mm-hmm. are some people out there who have had the games for review codes, so they're like way ahead of everybody else and they're sharing what mm-hmm. their towns look like and they've got like fully developed towns with pads and lighting and everything and everybody else is just basically just has an island with some houses stuck on it so yeah, yeah you can't feel too <laughs> bad about where your island is at right now because it's out of your control and after, just
0: enjoy it at your own
1: pace after a while everybody's going to be spread out all over the place <laughs>
0: Okay, Andrew, what are you playing in the coming week? COVID-19
1: health guidelines allowing. Uh, I'm going to be playing Zombie Army Trilogy, which is a a spin-off of the Sniper Elite trilogy, I guess. It's it's Mm kind of like the Sniper Elite version of Nazi Zombies. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hope I get that this week. If not, I'll play something.
0: (laughs) I just don't know what. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just plugging away Animal Crossing and Grid at the moment. Um, So, yeah, that'll be that. Uh, thanks for listening to this episode of the Switch Focus podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us to get noticed. You can listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services, uh, even Spotify. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively Switch Focus community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at SwitchFocusPodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can buy us a coffee. Details are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Craig Windle. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Craigity Craig and follow his music career at Wimbles at Dawn, uh, where he does awesome chip tunes, the the likes of which you've heard over the course of the show. Uh, and if you want to follow the pair of us individually on Twitter, you can do so. I'm at Flame Toast and Andrew is at Play Critically.
1: All hail the wheel.